hunting, fishing, and all things outdoors. It's not just a hobby, it's a lifestyle. Welcome to the Green Top Outdoors podcast with your host, Hunter Brooks. All right, welcome to another episode of the Green Top Outdoors podcast. Today, I've got I've got two guests with me this morning. Uh, I've got uh, Sean Coyman, who is uh, from the Ducks Unlimited, and uh, his uh, his sidekick Frisco. Frisco, how you doing? He's over here. Uh, I'm petting Frisco. Frisco's a black lab. He's a uh, he's a good looking fella. How old, how old's Frisco, Sean? He will be three um, this November. So he's uh, he'll be his second season heading to Canada. So it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Last year he finally figured it out. This year I'm I'm expecting some big results. So, so Sean, what do you do for Ducks Unlimited? So for Ducks Unlimited, uh, I'm a senior regional director, and so my my area was all of Virginia uh, during the pandemic. Um, and just here recently, we we hired another regional director to ha- to handle the western part of the state. So okay. my focus area will be. Basically, I ninety five, I eighty five, and everything east, and uh, that focus would uh, would entail uh, supporting our volunteers and all of our fundraising events, you know, in the eastern part of the state. Gotcha. And then my counterpart, Dustin Howell, over in the western part of the state, he'll be he'll be doing the same thing full time, working with volunteers over in the western part of the state as well. And you do this full time? Full time, yes, sir. So it's a uh, you know as many as many things that you guys always have going on i mean i can definitely see where it'd be full-time work i mean it's uh, you guys are very proactive in in just about everything when it comes to the outdoors and uh, conservation um what's uh so brief history on ducks unlimited uh i guess it was established what back in the late 30s 1937 37 yes okay. sir mm-hmm. by joseph p knapp and a, a few other uh, waterfowl hunters from down near the uh, curatuck area i mean joseph knapp was originally from the new york New York State, but his passion was hunting waterfowl down in Currituck, Back Bay area of, mm-hmm. of this part of the world. Right, um, and then back in the 30s, we had the the, the Dust Bowl, and that drought, and that yeah. decimated waterfowl populations, especially those uh, that originated from and migrated from you know the central part of the United States up into Canada as yeah. well. Um, what, what we what we call now the the, the Prairie Pothole region, right. And uh, so they were. They were. They, they took great concern over that and uh, started to figure out where the, our birds were coming from, uh, which is an interesting thing in and of itself, right? So our backyard is really much bigger than just Virginia. Sure. I mean, our backyard is uh, all the way, all the way on up the Atlantic Flyway, you know, up into uh, Quebec and Ontario, um, the United States portion of that too, New York, Pennsylvania, uh, and then West Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. North Dakota, South Dakota, and on up into Saskatchewan and Manitoba. So yeah. it's it's a it's a big backyard for for a, a, a duck hunter in Virginia. That's that's our that's our that's our backyard. Yeah, yeah. and and I think I read uh, over the years. I think over fifteen. I think it was over fifteen million acres have been conserved by the D uh, by the DU yeah, since actually, its creation. Yeah, um, actually, that number is now over sixteen million. Oh wow, so, that's, that's amazing! And we're we're launching a new uh, multi billion dollar campaign to conserve even more. And so I'll have more details on that forthcoming. Good, good. but uh, some pretty exciting stuff. Good, and you know, it it, it kind of dawned on me, you know, reading more about the Ducks Unlimited and just back in that day, you know, what the, we're lucky that there were people that 
took conservation seriously back then, mm-hmm. you know, because back then it was it was it was a different time, different world. And, you know, we're fortunate to have what we have today because of people, men like that and the Ducks Unlimited and and and, and other organizations that that really help conserve the habitat um, and, and the outdoor world f- for us to enjoy today. Mm-hmm. Um, today, you, we've got you got a lot of new stuff that you want to talk about. Um but first, I want to know a little bit more about you, Sean. What got you into this? You know, oh boy, this is kind of kind of show my age a little bit. But <laughs> um, my first engagement with Ducks Unlimited was back uh, growing up in Michigan, Southeast Michigan. That's where I, my dad took me duck hunting, and you know, I grew up pretty much doing a lot of my duck hunting right there at Point Mouille in southern southeastern Michigan. Okay, and uh, I can't even remember many days where my dad and I or a weekend where my dad and I didn't duck hunt when the season season was open. I mean, that was by far and large, that was our, our passion, you know, and I, I was in it. I loved it. Um, started to then get involved with ducks unlimited back, back then, uh, more on the periphery, um, got my Eagle scout project, did wood duck boxes, um, that kind of thing. And then wound up going to school, did my grad and undergrad degrees at, uh, university of Toledo in civil engineering. And uh, was was working, and my mom had sent me a clipping, a newspaper clipping. See, we didn't have, you know, not necessarily email back then, but we. Did. I mean, it was it was forthcoming. But she mailed me a, a newspaper clipping for an engineering tech position for Ducks Unlimited out of their office in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Oh, okay. And so I applied for it, got an interview, went, and I learned a, a more than you could learn than just reading the magazine about what DU does, but specifically my skill set and how valuable it was in terms of the actual work on the ground. And so um, I was they, – they had offered me the position. I, I was in a that, – that part of my life where I was finishing up my master's degree, I was getting my engineering license, and I, I just couldn't unplug just yet, you know, so – I told them I told them I really want to do it, but I just the timing for me wasn't right, and um, they were. I was very blessed because they they hung onto my info, and then when a regional engineer position opened up in North Carolina, um, they asked me if I was interested in that. So I reapplied, got that position, and literally packed up everything I owned in a van in two weeks and left Michigan <laughs> down for North Carolina. So that was that was an eye opening experience for me. Um, but I'll, I'll never turn. You know, I'm glad I did because it uh, it really turned out to be a life changing uh, awesome. career path for me. So you've been on the East Coast since. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Twenty twenty plus years now. So. So um, you know, we talked about earlier. We're talking about a lot of big changes for the season this year. Before we get into that, you know, getting getting people involved in duck hunting or waterfowl hunting itself um, is I've found in the past has not been too hard. You know, whether it's the, the Duck Dynasty era where people were watching that show and, and got involved with it that way, or they have uh, relatives, uncles, fathers, brothers, whoever that gets into it, and, and they just traditionally get into it like their family did. Um, you know, we've, we've seen it kind of ebb and flow with, um, with our business here at the store. Um, but it's to me, it's one of those, uh, it's like a, I guess it's like a tribe, you know, waterfowl hunters, they have like this, this, this tribe that everyone's uh, kind of a part of um not 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 everyone doesn't normally get get along in that tribe but uh it's uh it's it's just a, it's a different sort of hunting and and i've always found it very fun um you know being a part of a group that can go out and do this and some some guys prefer to go out by themselves and do it too but um 
the bag limits, I think, have always been one of the biggest complaints from people that I talk to. Uh, that's going to change this year, from what I understand. Is that correct? Yeah, here in Virginia, we have some some new some new uh, regulations forthcoming for this twenty three twenty four season, um, and I think I think this will generally get people a lot of you know pretty excited about, yeah. about what's to come because it's it's also it also ebbs and flows right uh, along yeah. with the uh, the waterfowl populations sure you know and and as we know those those fluctuate from year to year you know the the overall general trend has been good you know it's it's been on the increase. Um, here and I know it's, it's a very passionate thing for uh, duck hunters in Virginia is, is what was going on with the eastern the eastern mallard, mm-hmm. um, and so it had exhibited uh, exhibited about a fifteen percent decline since like nineteen ninety up to about two thousand eighteen, um, and then and then it it, it, it sort of it, it was just on that, that downward slide population wise not necessarily. The Canadian portion, or, or the portion of, of the water of the mallards that come from Canada, but the the, the U.S. portion. You mm-hmm. know, the surveys were just indicating that you know that the population was on a decline. So, um, they took they took some they took some actions to try to to try to make sure we were ahead of the curve. You know, yeah. and I, I realize it was probably not very popular at the time, but but given the information that they had, I think they were doing the best they could. Sure, right, and so you know they dropped it. Um, I guess what we had been accustomed to in terms of sort of a liberal season and bag limit from mm-hmm. you know, four mallards down to two. Yeah. Um, but you know the the recent data that they they just uh, they just received in terms of that um, the population status for the mallards has actually gone up. You know, uh, which is great. Um, so it's you know we're looking at about a about a fifteen percent increase uh, since you know since two thousand eighteen roughly. Um, now we don't have any data uh, at least. Um, that I'm aware of for like 2020, 2021 because of, of COVID and they didn't, you sure. know, they didn't fly their transects and all that kind of stuff. But, but it looked good. It looked good. Uh, Dr. Uh, Gary Costanza came to our Ducks Unlimited State Convention uh, this past spring down in Williamsburg and gave a great presentation, you know, about, um, about the Eastern Mallard and then in the forthcoming changes, you know, so for this year, 23, 24, um, this season, uh, the, the Mallard limit is going to go up to four mallards this year. Nice. Um, so that's that's a that's a that's a great change, you know, for 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 what we have here. So it's kind of back to back to what we were used to. Um, and the the neat thing with that is is um, you know with those types of challenges come great um, in, ingenuity, if you will, sure. or um, I guess a heightened awareness of trying to figure out figure out why. Um, and so the the science behind it. Um, is really it's pretty cool and and ducks unlimited is a partner in this but there there are several state agencies up and down the atlantic flyway and a couple of universities that are part of this eastern um eastern mallard study if you will and so collectively they're all working together um to outfit uh mallard specifically with these uh gps backpacks and uh these geolocator uh bands that they have on them as well and so they're able to track these the bird movements now, and into into quite some detail as you know, it's just it's pretty cool. Uh, Gary shared with us uh, a couple scenarios of what they were able to track, and they're they're able to actually walk up on the nest, 
you know, by by using the data and the tracking data that they collect out of these backpacks, and, and then and then really look at, you know, is it successful? Was it not successful? Yeah. Where are you know where are they nesting? That's another great sure. you know great piece of information for you know our conservation work because it's what we do is mud, water, and you know acres. You know, so um, that was it was just really cool to see, and 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 I think all of our volunteers that were there for that meeting really. I mean that that lifted them to a whole nother level to be part of that kind of um, that kind of study, you know, because uh, you know D is a financial partner in that yeah. with, with those other agencies and whatnot. So, pretty pretty cool stuff. Uh, one in particular, I I I, I just I was enthralled with. Um, they were able to track a mallard from Virginia all the way up into somewhere in northern part of New York, I believe, and it was sort of in a, a developed area. And so one of the <laughs> biologists, you know, ran out there to go find this nest and I guess wound up at a day spa and asked the <laughs> owner of the day spa if they happened to see a mallard, you know, with a backpack running around. <laughs> and I think the lady kind of looked at the biologist uh, from what I'm from what I'm told kind of with a puzzled look like a backpack, you know, and then, then once he explained or, you know, once they explained what it was, she's like, oh, yeah, over there in this in this bush right next to this, uh, this the, you know, koi pond or whatever they had in the back kind of thing. Uh, but what was interesting is not only where the location was, where the bird was nesting, but the the migratory nature of the bird to come winter in Virginia. Yeah, you know, no so, kidding. Yeah, and then you know the other piece of information I thought that was very fascinating that also feeds into our conservation work is where does that where does that hen mallard roam when she leaves the nest to go find food? You know, I hate to say it, but you know, wastewater treatment plant lagoon was one places that one of these birds was stopping at and feeding so um but but nonetheless it, it really showed the expansiveness of the range of the mallard you know off the nest to go feed and come back to the nest you know to, to breed or uh you know to raise their brood right you know? so uh some pretty cool stuff and then same thing you know we're able to track the, mig- the migrations you know south and north with those backpacks um he showed us a a a brief little video and it and it showed the birds after they had been outfitted with these backpacks yeah i think we just focused on the virginia ones which was pretty cool so they're moving around a little bit in virginia back and forth kind of ranging around in their wintering grounds and then all of a sudden literally like on the same day they all leave they all leave like like they all got on the phone together and said hey it's time to go time to roll so it's um it's pretty interesting to, to see now what's going on Real time, almost. Yeah. I mean, they can they they they've got some really good data with that. Um, so much so that they have to time delay it because obviously to give the the duck hunter some some right. advantage, <laughs> right. you know, to take to, to take that data and use it. Um, but but nonetheless, uh, th- that's the science that that Ducks Unlimited utilizes, you know, to to drive our conservation work, you know, and and then ultimately it's the volunteers, you know, and the local chapters raising the money. That's the engine that feeds all of that. Yeah. Uh, and all that success, so. and you know, it's, it's those surveys and studies that they're they're vital in in conservation, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that I mean, the, the U.S. government, U.S. Fish and Wildlife, uh, I'm sure they love partnering with DU because, I mean, without without DU, a lot of this stuff couldn't happen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so. You it's know, very true, and it's and it's it's a healthy relationship back and forth. Yeah. You know? So, so with, all, to without, share with, a common goal. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, without the volunteers raising the money, right. that, That's that's necessary to make conservation work happen. Because um, I remember John Tomkey one time at one of our national conventions. He was one of our past DU presidents. He uh, he had this one saying. Um, 
and I don't know if he if it was his or if he was just saying it at the time, but he had a couple of them, and one of them was you know he came for the cause and stayed for the people, which is very true. Yeah. You know, with a, almost everybody that I meet through in my DU world, you know, they're they're friends, family, and everything else. You yep. know, so. But the other one too was you know conservation is just a, con- a conversation without money, and and that's very true. Yep. I mean it's it's expensive. You know, I was on the construction side of it, and. I mean, just to turn a dozer over, you know, and fire up a dozer is ten grand, right? You know, or I mean, I say that, but it's, you know, it's all part of it's all part of it. It's not, it's not cheap. No, it's and, not. Uh, so that 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 really that really drives the the success of that. But the partnerships, you know, the the federal and state partnerships, uh, the uh, the the individual partnerships we have through foundations and whatever else. I mean, that all drives that that conservation work, you know, and it couldn't be done with without it one way or the other way. Yeah. And the driving part of that's your membership too. I mean, mm-hmm. last I heard was it over seven hundred thousand members in the DU? Yeah, yeah, over seven hundred thousand. I think we've, uh, I think we're right at or maybe a little over a million supporters in that's, total. So yeah, that's uh, awesome. Pretty, pretty substantial when you think about that many people, you know, believing in the same mission. Yeah. Um, and I and I think it's easy for them to believe in it because they see the results of it. Yeah. You know, it's not just a conversation. It's real conservation. It's it's acres. It's dollars. It's tracked. You can see it. You can, I mean, some of the some of the coolest duck hunts I do every year um, are when I apply for some of these draw hunts or quota hunts or permit hunts. You know, either North Carolina or Virginia, and uh, specifically in North Carolina, I had designed and built several projects down there that are public hunting. And uh, when we get drawn for those, I load up the wife, the dogs, and you know, we go back to a project that I actually I actually built. You know as an engineer for DU hmm. in partnership with the North Carolina Wildlife, Wildlife Resources Commission. And it's, it's cool. It's, it's, it's neat to go sit in a blind, you know, on something that you created. Um, and, 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 you know, some days are good, some days are bad, sure. but it's, it's, a, it's there. Right. And it's, and it's available for people to, to enjoy as well. Well, and, you know, conservation, I mean, it's, it's not just for hunters, you know what I mean? I mean, I obviously the majority of the members are probably hunters, mm-hmm. but, you know, this is this is just this is for the environment. It's for, it's for it's for the habitat. I mean, it's good for everybody. And now, whether you're a duck hunter or not, it's still good for you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so yeah. Anytime you, anytime the conservation, uh, anytime anything gets in the way of the conservation, it shouldn't just be duck hunters that step up and do something about it. You don't have to be a duck hunter to be a member of Ducks Unlimited. Uh, it's 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 for everybody. You know. Yep. Yep. The environmental benefits are huge. Absolutely. You know, I mean, wetlands. Uh, I mean, from clean water to storm protection, you know, flood mitigation to carbon sequestration. I mean, there's a lot of environmental benefits to what we do. Right. Um, and here in Virginia specifically, right, um, we've we've got all the rivers and tributaries that all feed into the Chesapeake Bay. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our work, you know, really helps the Chesapeake Bay. Yep. And that goes a long way to boating, sailing, you know, boating, power boating, sailing, fishing. Um, it, it even aquaculture, you know, to some degree, you know, it's, yeah. it all, it all works together. It's all part of a bigger thing it for does. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, what else is new for, uh, 2023, 2024? Uh, well, another, another great, uh, success story, I guess, or, or maybe, maybe put it out there in terms of, uh, an, another, another good thing happening for this year, um, is, the fact that um, our goose season is going to go back up. So, and I say that in terms of bag limits. So it was one last year. It's going to go back up to two this year. Um, and they're looking at increasing that from 30 days last year to 45 days this year. 
and they're they're reducing the the number of zones for Canada geese in Virginia. So before we had three zones, now we're going to have two. It's just going to be the Atlantic population uh, uh, zone for for Canada geese, and then you're going to have the um, uh, the resident zone. And so I think that simplifies it a little bit for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they had to they had to draw the line somewhere. You know, sure. so they used I ninety five, which is <laughs> you know it's on a map. It's easy. Right. It's easy for <laughs> us to understand. It it, is. You know, the, the birds don't really care. But <laughs> um, but at any rate, um, I think that's going to get us back to uh, you know some in the positive direction for yeah, you know, I, for for this coming it year. It couldn't so. have gotten worse, you know. I mean, oh, it could. It, you know, I guess it, I, I guess it re, could. I, re, I remember distinctly when when they had to shut it down at yeah. one point. I think that was up in Maryland when it happened, but yeah, it's uh, you know, our our migratory geese, you know, when they they come down from the Ungave Peninsula, which is I mean, way north. Yeah. And it was amazing to me when uh, Gary Dr. Gary Costanza was telling us about the um I guess the concerns with the population a few years back, and when they would do their surveys up there, they they they're they're counting adults and juveniles, you know. And then in one particular year, he's like, you know, that that ratio was so small that it, you know, basically the migratory population was all adults, and there were no juveniles. I mean, I know there were some in there, but the ratio was so small that it they, that's that's why they had to take some take some uh, dramatic action on on the goose. Uh, the goose limits and whatnot. So, but it's it's looking good, and you know at least it's going in a positive direction for you know twenty three, twenty four. So that's good. So let's see. Um, and then one of the other ones that's coming up. This is going to be a change for the uh, for the Atlantic Brant, and okay. so um, that's probably not a, as great of a story, right? Um, like the the Canada goose and the and the mallard, but mm-hmm. um, they're. They're they're being a little more restrictive on the brant, and uh, so this year they're going to reduce uh, the brant season from fifty days to thirty days with a one bird limit. And okay. uh, you know, again, they they need I think they need to amass some data, you know, and, and look at uh, uh, what's going on there with the brant. It's um, part of that eastern mallard survey uh, that we were talking about earlier. Um, not only is going to outfit and track the the hen mallards, but also black ducks. That's also part of the survey as well. Okay. And then the third part of that's going to be the Atlantic Brant. So we're going to be able to see a lot of a lot of cool data coming up that's going to help us, I think, uh, identify areas where we can positively impact you know the Brant populations as well. So uh, kind of a cool thing. If if anybody wants to check it out, um, I created a, a um, its own little. Uh, I guess uh, web address that's easy to remember. So if you want to check out uh, the Eastern Mallard uh, uh, survey uh, project, you can go to www.trackmyducks.org. Trackmyducks.org. Yep, okay. and it'll take you right over to uh, to that website, and you'll be able to check in on some data, which is pretty cool. Um, but again, it'll be time delayed. So but right. you'll see the general movements of the uh, you know of the ducks. They just may be delayed by you know three, four, five, six months, whatever. That'd be interesting. Yep, it's pretty cool. So to to help pay for all this stuff, uh, the DU has to do a lot of uh, raising money, mm-hmm. and there's always banquets going on, um, calendar calendar raffles, things like that going on. Um, what, what's uh, what's in the pipeline for the rest of this year and into 2024? Well, we're just we're wrapping up the July calendar raffle. Yep. Um, so that's 31 days, 31 winners. Uh, Green Top's been a huge partner with us on that. 
Um, I think this is our sixth, seventh yeah. uh, calendar that we've sold out collectively together. Yeah. So uh, we're working on the December calendar for this year. Um, so we're running the same thing in December. Yep, yep. yep. We're toying around with some cool ideas to make it uh, – um, to, to try to take advantage of the uh, the pick three lottery on a on a morning and afternoon or afternoon evening basis, nice. so there might there might be some some interesting stuff happening on the next one. So, That'd be good. Uh, might want to stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, that so that partnership has been really good. I mean, you, you look at the the collective money raised uh, with the help of Green Top Sporty Goods on that, and you know it's it's substantial. Yeah, you know, I mean it's. Uh, it's probably close to a half million dollars over, wow. over those uh, seven, eight calendars, give or take. You know, and then that translates into some serious acreage conserved. So, um, but yeah, and then we have, um, of course, we're we're really getting in or getting through the summer months now. Everybody's starting to get excited. I mean, hunting season's coming. I mean, dove season's coming right, right around, around the, corner, the corner, man. You know, early <laughs> teal season will be here before you know it. Yep. Um, and then and then our, here comes our fall fundraising season. So. Yeah. You know, uh, we've we've got a, a very substantial event coming up in Fredericksburg. This is their fifty uh, second uh, crab and beef feast on September 9th. That's right. It's usually right first uh, first beginning of September. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that at the fairgrounds? Again? It is. It's okay. at Fredrick, Fredrick, Fredericksburg Fairgrounds. Um, you can go to uh, Fredericksburgdu.org for t- online tickets. Um, it is. It if you is haven't been to this event. event it is well worth going to. Oh yeah, it is. It's one of the best events I've been to. It's a great time of year too because it's not too hot. It's not too. It's not cool. Not too cold either. Uh, great people. A lot of people. A lot of fun. Um, I'd highly recommend going to this event. It's a really good one. Yep. I mean, I, a lot of people enjoy the the fact that they they've got crabs. They've got steaks. Yes. Uh, I mean, it's it. The, the VIP section is is killer. Um, and they've, they've got a huge raffle, you know, and that's uh, a lot of people get pretty excited with that. And yeah. then later live the auction, evening, live auction. Yep. yep. Awesome trips, firearms. I mean, some yes. really, really, really good stuff. So, yeah, Mason Hallberg is our, our chairman up there. He's doing a fantastic job. Uh, they're uh, the whole committee up there is, I mean, right, right in the middle of, of getting it all together and selling tickets right now. So yeah. if you haven't been, you got to go. You really should. I've, I've been several times. It is, is, it is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then so um, and then the. Right after that, literally the next day, that Saturday, uh, the Twin Rivers uh, chapter over in Tappahannock is doing their uh, sponsored dove hunt, and that's and it's open to everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you want to be a DU sponsor, save an acre forever. Uh, get online twinriversdu.org. Get your get yourself a ticket for a dove hunt. It's uh, it's it's a great way to kind of kick everything off, you know, from yep. from supporting Ducks Unlimited, Twin Rivers, and then um, you know getting. You know, getting after some dove, it's a it's a great time, and it, it yeah. it's followed up with a great dinner and raffle, a little live live auction after that too. Well, so. and you know, it's sometimes it's tough for some people to find a good dove hunt, you know, anymore. You know, it's a uh, it's dove season's not what it used to be when like when, when you and I were growing up. Uh, you know, people uh, it, it's tough to find a place, and uh, this would be a great place to go. Um, you know, I've always heard it's good hunting right there, so uh, definitely look into that. Yeah, yeah, it's good uh, good stuff, and then. Later on in, in September, we've got some some other great events coming up. Um, you know, we've got uh, we got the airfield event down in at uh, in Wakefield. Mm-hmm. Um, they had their best event ever um, just last year, and uh, they're they're getting ready to, to do that. It'll be at the 4H uh, 4H um, center there in Wakefield. So okay. it's yeah, it'll be it'll be good. It'll be a it'll be another great event, and then we have. We have uh, two events, two big events coming up. You know, one here in Richmond, down at uh, 
down at uh, down at Tredegar, right there on the river. That'll be on September 28th. Yep. Um, that's easy again. You know, richmonddu.org. You can get your tickets. You know, and that's for typically that. on like a Thursday or something. It's uh, it's, it's a weekday or a week or uh, well, they're they're February events in is a weekday event in okay. February, uh, in February. I'll have to check it out because uh, uh, I've been 28th, to that event too, and that's a good one. Yeah. I think September twenty eighth turns out to be a Thursday. Yeah, Thursday evening, but uh, it, it it'll be right down down on the James River. You know, at the old foundry there, and it's a good spot. Oh yeah, and and the theme is it couldn't be better. It's bourbon and bacon. Right. I mean, <laughs> everything's good with bacon. What's so. not to love, right? Uh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, Jacob Oliver, you know, he's uh, he's our chair chair for the Richmond chapter. Mm-hmm. You know that that committee is just uh, you know they're 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 in full steam you know getting that thing going today and then our Norfolk committee down in uh, the Tidewater area is coming back after COVID for their first event um, they've moved it to the uh, the Virginia Zoo in Norfolk on September 28th as okay. well and uh, you know Henry Atwell and Josh Priest down there have, have, have brought the committee back together and they, again they're right they're right in the middle of and and that one they're. They're working so hard at it because it's they their event used to be about 400, 450 people, um, but now moving over to the zoo, it, it's limited that to to, to three hundred people. So they're, you know, they're they're working hard to get that get that filled up. But at the same time, there's some urgency to get tickets because you know sure. once they hit three hundred, it's That's it. it's sold out. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I guess after that, it's Expo, right? Yeah, yeah, it's Expo time. That's right, <laughs> love it. Um, you know, October seventh and eighth here at uh, at Green Top. Yeah, you know, y'all will be putting through a lot of people. You know, in two days and tens of thousands of people coming through. Yeah. Yes, sir. And we're we are blessed uh, to be a partner with y'all in that. And uh, the the DU tent now it's officially called yep. over by the flagpole. Uh, this will be our second annual gun bash, and uh, last year was incredible. I yeah. mean, it blew the doors off any expectations we we had, and you know, this year it, we're just we're going big. So it's it's going to be bigger, it's going to be better. We got a twenty gun raffle, twenty winners that we're going to draw that evening. Uh, your ticket to that event because it's a, it is a ticketed event, but it's a hundred dollars, but it gets you into that twenty gun raffle, and it also gets you into that uh, uh, into that event that evening. Yeah. U tent. So, have sales for those tickets started yet? We just launched. Okay, yes. I was going to mm-hmm. say. I think you just did. Yep. And um, that's uh, that's a fun event, man. And if if you're going to come to Expo and be here for Expo, you might as well maybe save some time and do that and buy tickets for it because it's it's the food is off the chain. Yeah. Well, buy, buy them early because yeah. last year we sold out, yep. and uh, there are dinner tickets available, but you, you, you're not in on that twenty gun raffle, right? You know, which that, I mean, that's the value for the for the hundred dollar ticket. Yes. So yes, um, we do have some VIP tickets. Again, there's only fifty of those. Um, uh, Yeti is doing something very special for us for each of those VIP tickets. Um, it's going to be part of the package. Uh, more to come on that. Um, and then there'll be a VIP area off to the side. Um, we're going to have some fire pits by Burley there, and um, you know some some Yeti chairs and things, kind of a lounge area and whatnot. It's kind of off to the sides for for people to kind of hang out and kind of enjoy the evening. Um, really special guests this year. We've got uh, uh, Gone Country RVA. Uh, they're going to come play music for us. Nice. That's going to be that's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, Mission Barbecue's coming back on the food side yep. for us. They did a fantastic job they, last year. They sure did. Yep. Yeah. And we're going to have oysters uh, again, just like we did last year. And then we're also going to have, uh, you know, more raffles there, you know, primarily looking at some really cool firearms for that. We've got some other great merchandise. I mean, it's, it's coming in, uh, it's coming in right now and I'm looking at it and it's, it's, it's exciting. So, yes. 
Um, we've got we've got that going on, and then we're going to have a, a killer live auction, just like we did last year. Some real, you know, some great collective, uh, or you know, collector firearms, limited edition stuff, uh, some hunting and fishing trips. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a really really large time. Y'all got a lot. You got your work cut out for you the rest of this year, Sean. Mm, that's just the beginning, <laughs> right? Because after Expo, I'm sure there's more to come. Oh, but, uh, yeah, that's about halfway through. Yeah, at least you know until until Christmas, and yeah. then, and then we retool and everybody gets ready for the for the spring fundraising season. So that's right. Well, anything else to add for this year, Sean? I think that's uh, some pretty good coverage. I, I, I would just uh, I want to recap on the the Virginia stuff because I don't. I don't know if people are aware of it, but the but our progress and our you know and our in terms of our conservation work on the ground in Virginia um, is just mind-boggling. You know, we we surpassed seventy-nine thousand acres last year in in terms of total acres conserved on the ground here in Virginia. In Virginia alone. In Virginia yeah. alone. That's yep. that's incredible. Yep. And you know, and that and that's that totals out to be about a little over twenty-three million dollars invested in in the state of Virginia. You know, and. Mm-hmm. I had a conversation with somebody the other day, and they were like, "Man, that is that is fantastic." Mm-hmm. And and they were like, "Well, how does that benefit me?" And I said, "Well, I said, where do you live?" And, and so they, it was a gentleman that was down in the Todwater area. I said, "Well, I said there's a lot of uh, of new public waterfowl hunting opportunities down there that you may not be aware of that you know DU has been working with um, you know the state in terms of acquisitions. Now that's a, you know that's something that directly benefits all of us. Sure, you know from." Yeah. You know, one of the ones we did not not too long ago was Ware Creek. You know, that mm-hmm. opened up about 600 acres there on the on the York River to public waterfowl hunting. Uh, we we continue to invest money with uh, DWR over at Hog Island, which is the really the premier managed public waterfowl hunting um, uh, in in all of Virginia. Yeah. You know, John Reindelf down down there does a f- marvelous job in managing that place, and the experience there is just phenomenal. You know, it's. Uh, you know, and it is also an area where we <clears throat> we did a, a legacy green wing tribute to all of our our kids, our legacy green wings. You know, from basically age one to age seventeen, um, they were able to per- purchase a legacy membership um, for you know for themselves or their parents did or their grandparents did, uh, and they got their name on a really nice uh, you know plaque down there, and it's it's on display at at Hog Island. And I had several volunteers that that took their their kids down there for that youth waterfowl day last year. And I, I tell you, it's 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 heartwarming when when they when they start texting you pictures and the kids are standing there with the yeah. bird that they've you know that what they 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 shot that day or harvested that day and they're pointing at their name on the plaque. That's awesome. Uh, and, and moreover, is, is 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 the conservation message that um, you know on the ground work we're you know we're putting money in the ground and places like that. And then you know and then farther on down there's a lot of other things we've done as well. We've got a 1,300 acre acquisition we're working on right now in Chesapeake. I think it's a four or five year acquisition, and then when it's done, it, it'll connect. Um, it'll connect uh, Cavalier WMA to mm-hmm. the Great Dismal Swamp. Okay, you know, and, that, and that's going to provide some more opportunities down down the line. Uh, Princess Anne Wildlife Management Area. You know, yeah. we did a lot of work there. New pump station, levees, water control structures. Talked to a lot of folks that have hunted that place and had some really really good success. You know, so it's. You know, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, you know, Guinea Marsh was another big acquisition we did. Mm-hmm. Um, that opened up about 600 acres there, just north of the York River, right on Chesapeake Bay. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it, it's good. It, it's it's it, it's time to get involved with DE right now because there's a lot of work going on, a lot more work coming. It never stops, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's and, and you know, I'm 
I think a lot of people would be shocked to understand the amount of conservation just in Virginia, like you said, just in Virginia alone that the DUs helped achieve. And um, hopefully this will open some eyes to some some folks that are, that are listening and, um, and maybe get you guys some more members, you know, because yeah. that's what that's what that's what it's all about. Uh, and the kids, man, like you mentioned, the kids, you know, get take the kids hunting, mm-hmm. get them out, the, get them outside, uh, let them take advantage of of using you know this 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 awesome property and uh, this this awesome land that that the DUs help conserve. I mean, it's uh, and the DWR too with public hunting lands and things. You know, just uh, get the kids out there, man, get them involved because they're they're the future. So absolutely. As a matter of fact, I was talking with uh, Chip Watkins yesterday at Monquin Creek Outfitters, and mm-hmm. him and I were 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 already discussing year two of the youth of waterfowl, the youth waterfowl hunt, yeah. yep, that we did with them in partnership last year, and yep. we had a little over a hundred kids. You know, and and Chip wants to make that a, a very successful program again this year. So we're we're already making plans for that. Good. So keep it growing. Yeah, you know, and it's it's free for the kids. So. Just got to register online, and and then um, you know we'll 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 be working hard and behind the scenes with Chip and 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 Green Top Sporting Goods and some of the other partners, you know, in that one as well to to really really showcase a good a good youth event, you know, here in Virginia. So, well, Sean, thanks for being here today, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, we'll have you back. Uh, I guess we ought to do this again around Expo because. We should, or leading up to Expo, because I'll have all right leading up to it. Yeah, more great information about what's coming on with the Expo, as well as you know other uh, upcoming events, DU events. You know, because they're they're everywhere. You know, I mean, if and if you don't have a chapter in your hometown and you want one, uh, you know, let me know. You know, get uh, you can find me on the website. Let me know. We'll uh, we'll get together. I just talked with some folks uh, about starting a chapter over in Amelia. That's good. Um, yeah. So that that could that could potentially be that could potentially be another another well, great chapter. I, yeah, I've seen chapters grow in this area. I mean, I think what the local uh, one of the local private schools, Collegiate's got one. Mm-hmm. I think Randolph Macon College they've got mm-hmm. one. Um, I'm, I think Hampton Sydney's got one as well. So yep. yeah, they're uh, seeing the chapters grow in ge- not just counties and localities, but in colleges and schools and stuff. That's it's it's good to, it's good to see that. Oh yeah, and and I get to work with uh, with with those young folks, you know, from high school through college, and and then back into the adult world, right? Right. And uh, just the, the just the, the the leadership that they exhibit, and 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 what they do, and how they grow up, you know, through that whole process is yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, it, it really is. I. I, I watched some of these some of these folks, and I, I hope that I did the same thing at some point yeah. you know, to get where I'm at today. But well, you know, you mentioned being in scouts. Uh, you know, you and I had scouts growing up, and some some people don't have that right now. But you may have a local DU chapter that's uh, that's that you can get involved in. Mm-hmm. I think you know the experience there is not quite the same thing, but it's it's like you said, it's it's good for leadership. Uh, it just it's good for it's good for planning for the future. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And if you're in, you know for those that are listening to the podcast and they see that e-blast come out from from du or a postcard in the mail says hey we got a happy hour you know come on out and join us please come on out and join us check it out i'm telling you it's uh it's a great thing you'll you'll never regret it you know that's that's for sure well sean thanks thanks for what you do uh for the du for for conservation for, for for virginia and for you know, for the outdoors, man, we really appreciate it. Uh, we'll see you soon. Um, Expo is going to be a, another good one this year, so uh, get ready for that. Mm, we're, we're getting ready, <laughs> that's for sure. Thanks, thanks for having us. Yeah, and no problem. Look forward to the next one, and we'll 
we'll, we'll get some more good information to share with everybody as well. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to the Green Top Outdoors podcast. Hunting, fishing, and all things outdoors. It's not just a hobby, it's a lifestyle. Like and subscribe to the Green Top Outdoors podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and learn more about Green Top at greentophuntfish.com.